Good afternoon. It is good to be together. And if you're a guest, thank you so much for being here. It encourages us that you're here, and we hope that it's encouragement to you. And we look forward to spending the rest of this time in worship and then also in, in eating together and just enjoying the activities and, and just enjoying being together. We want to invite any single mothers that it would be a benefit for us to help you with an oil change and a cleaning up and a detail of your car. There is information about this that will be May 4th. It is on the information center uh, kiosk there and you can pick up information about that and you can register for a time there and if that'd be a benefit for you we would love to help you with that or if you know others that you could pass that on to that it would help them uh, help us get the word out in that way we would love to reach out and help in that way on May 4th and uh, and we would like to do that and give God all the glory for it God is good to us he gives us a lot of opportunities to do good and that's just one of the areas of opportunity that we hope we can be able to do good over the next few weeks also we have some little booklets entitled Choosing God. They also were at the Welcome Center. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the most famous and well-known verse in all the Bible, John 3 and 16. In that, we will not be able to cover everything that is our response that God would ask of us. And the truth is, this little book doesn't cover everything either. But there are some things that are taught in this little booklet that helps point us back to this great book that if that would be of a benefit for you, be sure and look for that also uh, out in the back there. An older, very wealthy lady went on a safari and she took her little poodle dog. Now this little poodle dog, to be honest with you, was kind of spoilt, but he was also a really smart dog. But along the way, the little spoilt dog got lost and so he found himself all by himself in the middle of this safari. And he just happened to look back over his, his shoulder and he saw way at a distance a leopard charging full speed, 50 miles an hour, coming at him. He thought, I have to think quickly. I have to think quickly. What can I do? He looked around knowing he couldn't outrun the leopard and he saw a pile of bones. He went over and he grabbed the biggest bone he could find and he began just tearing at it, gnawing at it. And just as the leopard got close enough to leap on him, he said out loud, wow, that was a delicious leopard. I wonder if I could find another one to eat. And that leopard screeched to a halt, leaped behind a bush and said, that was close. I almost got eaten by that dog. The dog prances off thinking that He's really won the lottery there. And he goes on his way. And this monkey overhead has seen the whole thing. He swings down and he laughs at the leopard and he tells him everything that happened. And that leopard is so mad. He says, I'm going to go after that dog and I'm getting that dog this time. And the monkey says, well, I don't want to miss this. I'm jumping on your back so I can see it. And so now the dog is prancing along. He looks back over his, his shoulder. And this time... He sees the leopard charging full speed again, this time with a monkey on its back. And he thinks, oh, I've got to think quickly. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And just as the leopard is close enough to be in earshot, he says, he says out loud, where is that monkey? I sent him an hour ago to find me another leopard deed. <laughs> now, over the last several weeks, we have been sent out to invite friends. Isn't that a beautiful word? Friends. People we know, we love, we care about. We've been sent out to invite friends. And I don't know if that makes us a monkey or a leopard or a poodle or what it makes us, but we are really glad that you've come. And we're glad always to be together, to worship, to study God's word. And today, we have been studying out of John the second and the third chapter. And this month, we have been studying real talk. What would we talk about if we went below the surface? 
What if we talked about if it wasn't about the weather and it wasn't about work? What would we talk about if we went down to the real things in life? Like, what's going to happen after you die? Is there a heaven? Is there not? If there is a heaven, how do we get there? How's it offered? Is there a God? And if there is a God, is there Jesus? And did Jesus really come to this earth? Listen, this is real talk. These are things that we need to find these answers and we need to find in this a faith that gives us not only the hope of eternal life, but then we find the purpose, we find the salvation, we find the joy in the life that is offered to us now. When we think of of where we started this morning, I'd like to just briefly remind you that when Jesus sat down in John the third chapter with Nicodemus, Nicodemus knew that he was a man of God. And Nicodemus knew that he was a teacher. He did not realize at this point that Jesus was the Messiah. But he knew that Jesus could bring something into his life that would help him. And so the first two things that Jesus talks about to him is Jesus says to him, you need to be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. How important it is for us to know about the kingdom of heaven. We can be a part of the kingdom of heaven right now, and we can be a part of that kingdom of heaven that's delivered to the Father for an eternity. How beautiful is that? But then as they continue to talk, if you have your Bibles and you want to look at John 3, or if you want to grab a Bible that's in your pew there, it'll be 940. And in verse 12, he begins to say to him, about earthly and spiritual things. And he says, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? You see what he's doing here? Jesus is challenging him. And he says, wait a minute, you're coming for me to teach you things, but you want me to give you spiritual things. But the problem is you've had earthly things brought to, your, to the table, brought to the forefront for a good while now because John the Baptist was a forerunner and he's been telling you guys what you need to do and you won't do it. As a matter of fact, in Luke, the seventh chapter, in verse 30, there the, the tax collectors were considered heathens. The tax collectors were praised because when they heard the great prophet John the Baptist preach about baptism, it says that they were baptized. But then the very next verse, he condemns the Pharisees and the other lawyers because they would not fulfill the will of God and be baptized. Listen, that's probably what is running through the mindset here when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee. He's saying, whoa, whoa, you want to go deeper in spiritual things, but yet the things that have been offered to you already on this earth, you don't want to deal with? And so for the next three verses, and we're not going to take time to study this and break them down, even though they're beautiful, but for time's sake, we want to spend the rest of our time on 16. But let me just say this about the heavenly things. He goes ahead. Jesus goes ahead in 13, 14, and 15, and he throws out heavenly things. He doesn't necessarily always use these words, but in 13 he says, okay, let's talk about God leaving earth and coming to this earth as a man, incarnation. That's spiritual things. The next verse he says, all right, let's talk about the crucifixion. You remember that plague of old? The Pharisee would have remembered that plague of old. You remember when the poisonous snakes were sent in and they bit the people and, and Moses pleaded, God, please take these serpents away. And God said, I won't take the serpents away, but I'll allow Moses to put a serpent on a stick and lift that pole up high. And anybody that's been bitten, if you want to live, you can look and you can live. And now he says, ah, the son of man must be lifted up. Why? So mankind can look and live. 
But then the third thing he says in 15, he says, you want to talk about spiritual things? Let's talk about everlasting life. Everlasting life. And then we come to verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. most well-known verse in all of the Bible. There have been individuals lately that have helped it become well-known. In the last recent years, probably one that has done the most to do that has been Tim Tebow. Remember his eye black? As a matter of fact, whenever he played a few years ago with that and he had the Broncos playoff win and the gain of yards that he passed was exactly 316 yards, that was the number one search on Google. What is John 3.16? Well, there was another guy that any of us that are a little bit older will remember him. Have you remembered this guy? That's out of order. Keep going until you get to a guy. <laughs> there we go. Many of you will remember Roland Stewart. And he gave his name, his own self a name, Rockin' Roland. And he was a guy that started out living a pretty rough life. But he had the goal that he wanted to be seen on TV over and over. He wanted to be the most famous man that no one knew anything about him. That was his goal. And then somewhere along the way, he became, as he would describe himself, a born-again Christian. And so he, he cashed in the offers with beer advertisements and things like that, and he started showing up at games, still with his rainbow hair wig, and then that, kind of that, Don, that Doug Perry beard there, but I think that's natural. And then most of the time, even though here it's John 3, 6, most of the time he would have a shirt on that, that would say something about repent or Jesus loves you, and he would hold up the sign, John 3, 16. Many of you that are younger than me, you think that the idea of in stadiums all across America, John 3, 16 signs have just always been. They haven't. This guy right here is the one that put that on the map. You see, his idea was to set in football games as close to the end zone so he could have the camera angle and he and his wife, who was a card carrier, a sign carrier, they lived in their car. And their goal was to be seen on television with John 3.16 signs at least twice a week. And they averaged that. As a matter of fact, these individuals, let's, let me give you, at the time this article was written in 87, let me give you uh, just a few places they'd been lately. Golf tournaments, football games, numerous World Series, Summer and Winter Olympics, the Republican and Democratic National Convention, the Indy 500, the Kentucky Derby, the NBA Basketball Finals, the NCAA Basketball Finals, the Stanley Cup, the Wedding of Princess Di and Princess Charles. They also went down to Mexico and they had their sign seen on the World Cup Soccer Championship which was viewed by 2.8 billion people. To the date of this writing, their signs have been seen at over a thousand televised events. And even though he is no longer doing that, it continues on, causing people to Google, to ask, to wonder, 
What is this John 3.16 thing about? As a matter of fact, in the restaurant, the in and out restaurant, uh, how many of you have, have eaten there? Those are good, aren't they? I think they're mostly on the Midwest or the West Coast. Those are really good. And there, uh, you may have noticed on the bottom of their cup, but on the inside rim of the bottom of their cup, John 3 and 16. And then also in Forever 21, I'm sure some of you uh, have recognized the fact that on the bottom of all of the bags uh, are, is the reference to John 3 and 16. And, and these companies, people say, why? You can actually go online and, and you'll see people asking, why, why is that on the bottom of this cup? Why is that on the bottom of this bag? This world is full of people that do not know the teachings of John 3 and 16. But yet oftentimes, John 3 and 16 is literally called the gospel in a nutshell. It is an abbreviated gospel. The word gospel means good news. And what's the good news? God loves you. Listen to me, friend. It doesn't get any better than the fact that God loves you. We need to be loved. We're created that way. When you take an infant and you, lie, you lay that infant in a bed and you treat it like a product and all you do is give it food but you don't hold it and you don't love it, statistically it's proven that most of those children will die we need love. When we see someone that lives a life as a hermit or recluse and we look at them, we say, that's just not healthy. It's not healthy because we're not made to live that way. We need to be loved and we need to give love. And oftentimes we're surrounded in situations with families or friends or whatever it may be where sometimes the people around us disappoint us. I want you to know this. God loves you more than anyone has ever loved you. God loves you. Now, Notice the choice here of words that Jesus gave. Now keep in mind, this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And, and just to catch us up, he says, you want to talk about spiritual things? Well, if you want to go back to this morning, I know several weren't here this morning, but just think about this just for a moment. He sits down and it's face to face. Let's talk. And then it becomes mind to mind. You want me to tell you things you need to know? You need to be in my kingdom. You need to be born again into my kingdom. You want to talk about spiritual things? Mind to mind. Let's talk about spiritual things. Let's talk about incarnation. Let's talk about redemption and Jesus dying on the cross. But now we come to verse 16 and there's a shift of gears that's beautiful. Then in 16 he says, wait a minute. Let's talk heart to heart. You see, up to this time, it's been very factual. It's beautiful, but it's very factual. And now all of a sudden, it's not the cold, hard facts. Now all of a sudden, Jesus is talking along. And I can imagine, it might have not been this way, but I can imagine that Jesus' tone would have softened. I can imagine that maybe he sat down beside him. For God so loved the world. Love. God loves the world. How much? So love. The word so there is pointing to a degree. So to what degree did God love the world? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Any of you here that have children, bring your son up here and let's offer that your son die for all the people in this room. And it's hard to fathom. It's hard to accept. I don't do this as much, and maybe I ought to do it more, but I'll just confess to you my heart. For a long time, when I took the Lord's Supper, 
and I thought about the death of Jesus, I would imagine what it would be like if God called upon me to give one of my children. And I would try to imagine that to appreciate how much God loves me. And I found myself crying every Lord's Supper. And so now I've tried to think of it in other ways more often. But I just want you to pause tonight. And I want you to try to imagine what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. Out of all the things he could have covered spiritually, he, he, he's in this beautiful rendition of spiritual facts. And all of a sudden, it's almost as if he says, Nicodemus, let me talk to your heart. God loves you. How much? So loves you that he gave his son for the world. And we could throw out, that's unbelievable. No, it is believable. We must believe it. Our soul is dependent upon it. We must understand how much God loves us. But now let's think of the response that God wants us to have. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, it's anyone. Yes, he's talking to a Pharisee in this particular chapter, and they were the ones that were the greatest enemies of Jesus. He didn't say everybody but a Pharisee. He didn't say everybody except some of these horrible Roman emperors that have, that have been or are going to be by the end of the first century so cruel to Christians. He didn't say this. He said, whosoever. And he's going to prove that within just a few pages of the Bible as, as we see the conversion of Saul, the one that had brought so much persecution to the church. And you say, who can come to the Lord? Even Saul can come to the Lord. And he knows how horrific his sins were. And he continued to call himself the chief among sinners. Who can come to the Lord? You can. And anybody you know, anybody you know can. Why? Because God loves you that much. For God so loved the world. Whosoever believes, can you believe in Him? Absolutely you can believe in Him. For centuries, hundreds of years before Jesus came to this earth, prophecy began to be told about what the Messiah would live and look like, be born, be born by, through, etc. All of these prophecies would be told about the Messiah. And you know how many of these prophecies Jesus Christ fulfilled? Seven out of ten? What would you think if someone at the beginning of the year said, I want to make some predictions. And what if they made ten predictions and during that year, seven out of ten came true? Many in this room would say, that's amazing. That person is good. Seven out of ten came true. Listen, it was prophesied about what the Messiah would look like when he came to this earth and how he would come to this earth and etc. As a matter of fact, some scholars say that there's over 400 points of identification. He fulfilled every one of them. We can believe in him. We're not required to believe in him blindly. It's proven that he lived. It's proven that he died. And there were hundreds of witnesses that he rose again and that he lived. We can believe in him. You know, there are many illustrations I could give you. I would just want to give you this one quick illustration. David Greenglass was World War II traitor. He sold secrets, atomic secrets to the Russians. And in Mexico, he was supposed to meet uh, one of the Russian uh, a secretary, an ambassador in, uh, in Russia. And so what they had to figure out was when they meet, how are they going to know each other? Because neither one knew each other. 
And so how are they going to know who the other one is? And so what they did was they came up with six things that David would do and only if all six of those were fulfilled would the secretary know this was the right one. And so this is what they did. They were to go to Mexico City and Greenglass would write a note to the secretary signing his name, I, the initial I, Jackson. And he would send it. Three days after that was sent, they would meet in the Plaza de Colon in Mexico City. Number three, they would stand in front of the statue of Columbus. Number four, he would be holding a guidebook and he would have his middle finger tucked inside the guidebook. When the secretary would approach, he would say, magnificent statue. And as they visited, he would say, I'm from Oklahoma. And when that kind of identity had been made, then the secretary would give him a passport. Listen, if some of the greatest secrets of intelligence can be transferred over based on six points of identity, imagine what it is to have hundreds of points of identity that were given hundreds of years before Jesus is for real. God loves us so much and what he asks of us is, will you believe in him? Now please note this. He didn't say, will you believe in what seems to be the strongest force around us? At that day and time, it was the Roman Empire. He didn't say, believe in the Roman kingdom. Or what had a lot of influence in that day was still Greek culture, fine arts and the Greek philosophers the expression of self. He didn't say, I want you to look for man's philosophy. Or the Hebrew traditions, they took the Old Testament and then just ran with it and created all kind of man-made traditions. He didn't say, follow your traditions. Listen to this very carefully. That whosoever believes in him... He's calling us to believe in Him. Shall what? Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The emphasis, I don't think, is just on eternity, although that's important to understand. But the emphasis is upon life. Perishing is living forever away from God. Can you imagine living in a place where God is not? And none of God's blessings exist. Or on the other hand, we can have life. The idea of life is with. The idea of death is separation. God is here. Are we going to live with God? That's life. Are we going to have an existence away from God? That's death. Which one are we going to have for an eternity? Are we going to perish eternal death? Or are we going to have life, eternal life? Who can have eternal life? Who can live with God for an eternity? Because of great love that God has, anyone can. Anyone that chooses to believe and have a belief that is responding to God's will. And throughout the scriptures, God tells us His will. For those who are believers that are willing to choose Him and His way and repent of their ways and confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. That places us in a kingdom. What a wonderful, 
wonderful blessing to be in the Lord's kingdom. Just give me Jesus. He supplies strength to the weary. He increases power to the faint. He offers escape to the tempted. He sympathizes with the hurting. He saves the hopeless. He shields the helpless. He sustains the homeless. He gives purpose to the aimless, reason to the meaningless, fulfillment to the emptiness, light in the darkness, comfort in the loneliness, fruit in the barrenness, future to the hopeless, life to the lifeless. Just give me Jesus. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but found they couldn't stop him. Satan tried to tempt him, but found he couldn't trip him. Pilate examined him on trial, but found no fault in him. The Romans crucified him, but couldn't take his life. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Just give me Jesus. He has no predecessor and will have no successor. He is the lion, he's the lamb, he is God, he is man. He is the king of the Jews and of Israel and of the righteous and king of ages and of heaven and of glory. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. Just give me Jesus. Friends, we're glad to be here together tonight. And it doesn't matter if you're one of our own or if you're a friend that is visiting. If we don't have Jesus, we've got to realize we're missing it all. God loved us so much. He gave us Jesus. Don't turn your back on him. If we can help you in any way, in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of invitation. If there's something we can help you with now, we'd love to do that. We'd love to pray with you. If you don't know exactly what you need or what you want, but you know you want to talk about it, we'd love to talk about it. We'd love to encourage you and help you in any way. We'd love to be your church family. We would love to be your brother and sister just walking together, helping each other from here to eternity. And we really mean that. Whatever we can do to help you, please let us know.